What do we do when we find ourselves up against the many leadership challenges that exist within our chosen careers? We all have goals and achievements that we would like to accomplish. Unfortunately, these desires don't come equipped with insight or awareness on how to bring these accomplishments to light. In essence, this is why the Dream Octane Niche Finder Framework was formed. Our founder, Clifton C. Manning, spent the first 17 of his 20-year career in healthcare working with physicians and healthcare leaders to achieve patient-centric goals while possessing only an associate's degree in applied science. At times, these challenges were daunting, and he felt unqualified to achieve the success he wanted. However, he focused on becoming intentional in reading every leadership book that he could find, as well as attending frequent seminars in areas where he saw opportunities to improve. Over time, as he applied insights gained from these various sources, he was able to successfully and efficiently cross the hurdles he found himself up against. Eventually, varying degrees of success within his sphere of leadership influence became more evident. The Niche Finder podcast is intended to bring similar insight to you, the listener, from those who have achieved some level of noteworthy success in their chosen career. Our hope is that the challenges they have overcome in the past will provide insight for your current leadership struggles and unlock the dream of achieving success in your own career. We believe that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dreams and abilities could be its fuel. And now I present to you the host of the Niche Finder podcast, Clifton C. Manning. I want to welcome you to this episode of the Niche Finder Framework. Today, the guest that we have on is you. <laughs> At the time of this recording, um, I'm just weeks away from uh, finishing Dream Octane. It's been uh, a labor of love. And so Elise, um, big up to her. Um, if you missed that episode, you can tune into her. I believe it was episode 24. Um, and she, uh, you know, for the most part, has motivated me to make sure that I can get everything to her before she leaves for uh, being on maternity leave for several months. So uh, at the time of this recording, uh, the goal is to have that finish. And, and, I, and I definitely believe that it will be. But getting back to the point of what we're saying here, uh, focusing on you, um, I want to take just the simple steps that um, one may have um, or may use when it comes down to finding their niche. Um, the importance of that is it will help you, uh, as it, I believe, has helped me and also others on or in those moments when they feel unqualified. So if you ever have been in a position where you feel like you have much to offer a situation, whether it be by making it uh, something easier to do or you're more efficient at um, at doing it or you can solve a problem, uh, these are all things that make your niche valuable. And that value, when you match it with great need, you now become the resource that can help to meet that need. And, and I think that's what it's all about. Becoming specific around what you have to offer will be the key to your value growing in the eyes of those who need that thing that you have that's inside of you. So when the need arises and you become the resource, your value increases. Uh, when it comes down to practicing the principles of success, you it, success is not a pedigree. 
success is a practice and it is predictable over time. There's it is a pathway, the pathway of success is predictable. I believe Miles Monroe is the one that said that. But I will contend that not only is it, is it predictable, but it's also reproducible. And so if you can find what you do well and you can put a framework around it and you can get some traction around testing that framework and tweaking it to the point where the next time you give it to someone, it is more refined. You then, or that thing that you have inside of you, can become fuel inside the engine of change. And so as we go through these steps, uh, I just want to just um, quickly give you um, what it means to be on this life cycle of excavation. And step number one is first, you want to recognize, recognize what you have in abundance, recognize your abundant factor. How does that happen? Well, you know, as you hear or have heard on many of the experts, we talk about the 5P framework. If you, you know, if you, this is the first episode that you listen to, just go back to any episode and, and wait for the section. It's about 10 minutes into the program where you were hearing about the 5P framework. And we basically ask, well, what do, what do you do that feels um, purposeful? Right? What do you do that feels purposeful? What do you do that makes you say, I was made for this moment? That's one. Two, ask yourself the question of, what are your passions? What, what what do you do? What ignites you? Number three, what are your patterns? What have you learned to do well over time? Uh, four, what are you proficient at? What have you, I'm sorry, patterns are what do you do naturally well? Proficiencies are what have you learned to do well over time? And then the last one is problem solving. So what, what people, what do people come to you to solve in a unique way? This is step number one on the uh, the life cycle of excavation. Now, in my book and even in my training programs, I have a scoring system that you would do, and then your friend, you know, friends and family would do in order to get you to a large number, and that large number is what you would prioritize. One thing on this commercial break on this that I noticed when you work with creative people, and many of us listening to this uh, more than likely are creatives uh, in some way, shape, or form, uh, is that it's it's not that they don't have anything to offer. I think the confusing part is they have so much to offer, they don't know what to focus in on. I, I want to just encourage you that um, what the life cycle of excavation does is it actually helps you to focus in, to hone in, to prioritize that one thing that you can do right now. It doesn't mean the rest of the things aren't important. It, even, it doesn't even mean that you won't get to those things. We're just going to do one. Right. But for right now, look at your 5P framework, um, you know, and, and then from there, you want to go to step number two, optimize where that where that abundant factor or niche is used intensely. So the 5P framework will help you to uncover what your niche is or niches at this time. Now you have a whole list of them and then you want to now optimize where it's used intensely. In a book, I talk about Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey um, found out where his niche was used intensely when his friend Gladys said to him, you know, Steve, you're one of the funniest people I know on, you know, on earth. Uh, I would love for you to come um, to, to this comedy club. Now, at the time, Steve Harvey knew, didn't even know what a comedy club was. He was a 20-something-year-old uh, guy. He was working as an insurance salesman. He didn't know what what a comedy club was but long and short of it he went with her and um the, the first day he went um, to this comedy club there was a signing sheet 
if you wanted to go up and, you know, just do some comedy. And there were 10 names already on the list. They only did 10 for the night. So he signed up for the very next week because they already had the 10 people. Now, when Steve Harvey was uh, sitting inside of the audience and listening to the different people who I already signed up do their their stand up routine, he said he was sitting there and, you know, to himself as they were delivering the jokes, he, he would just say, you know what, <laughs> you know, that punchline would sound a little bit better if they would have ended this way or you know his delivery could have come across a little bit uh, you know could have tweaked that delivery maybe it would have landed a little bit better or he could have read the crowd a little bit better so in his mind he's retooling the presentation not criticizing but you know again he, he was just retooling it so then they get um comedian number nine leaves the stage they then call for the comedian number 10 no answer call again no answer so the host says look you know i guess number 10 must have chicken out uh let's go to next week's list steve harvey come up to the stage so here it is steve harvey gets his moment <laughs> he walks up to the stage and as soon as he grabs the mic he nails it next joke lance nails it next joke nails it before long the entire comedy club is basically no gut wrenching laughs, and you know Steve Harvey, the man can go in when it comes down to comedy, and 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 the rest uh, for the remainder of the night. Uh, it became very clear who was the most talented person on that stage, and it was him. He won the fifty dollars, and as he was driving home, Steve Harvey said, <laughs> "I can't believe what just happened." Right? He, he started break. He started to break down and cry. And Gladys looked at him and said, like, you know, you know Steve, what's going on? It is, look, man, it's just $50 you would. It's not a big deal. Well, Steve turned to her and said, you don't understand. I was born tonight. This is what I'm here to do. This is what I'm meant to do. Comedy is what I'm meant to do. So the very next day, Steve Harvey went to his insurance salesman job and he quit. All he had was $50 in his pocket. And um, the rest, I, I would say, is history. But what I want to share with you out of that analogy or out of this story is um, Steve Harvey optimized where his new his niche was used intensely. He found the environment in which that which he did well was appreciated and or recognized. That's where step number two is. You want to optimize where that abundant factor or niche is used intensely. Step number three, summarize. So now you go back to your 5P framework. And you now summarize your comparative advantage. Now, in order to get your one thing, go back to your list and then you will then see, okay, I have a couple of number 15s up here, which 15s would be the highest grade on the grading systems. I have a couple of large numbers here. And now you want to see what your opportunity cost would be if you pursue one versus the other. So let's just say that you got two at the same score. Your opportunity cost would basically be, okay, what do I do if I choose this opportunity A versus opportunity B? Which one has the greatest consequence or would be harder for me to um, to implement? 
you know, my professor uh, in the book, I talk about my professor and he is a, uh, when we were in um, working on my, in my graduate, graduate degree, I was working on my master's. Um, he was the director of this executive MBA program that I was in. And he shared a story explaining opportunity costs where he said that, you know, he had a nosy neighbor and a nosy neighbor <laughs> that he completely made up. Uh, he says, every time that he, because he's so busy, my professor is so busy, he would have to, um, he would um, run, you know, errands on Saturdays because he has uh, an executive MBA program that's in Newark. He teaches the executive MBA program and has one that he's the director over for Singapore. He also has classes in China. So the guy's always doing something. So Saturday mornings, he's picking up his laundry. He is, you know, making sure that the groceries are, are taken care of. All of these errands. He may have an alumni event that he has to go through. As he's leaving the house, he sees his neighbor. Neighbor waves to him. He comes back from these different errands. Guess who's looking at him? The neighbor's waving at him. And even in the evening, when he's pulling up in his driveway after leaving that alumni event on a Saturday evening, what do we see at his neighbor? It's just the parting of the blinds. And who's looking at him? The nosy neighbor. <laughs> the longest short of it, the reason that the nosy neighbor is able to do that is because um, he has um, very low opportunity costs as it relates to time. Uh, opportunity costs in comparison to uh, my professor, um, Farouk. Um, for him to sit around and watch the neighborhood, he would have a high opportunity cost around watching the neighborhood. Why? Because he has, it will cost him too much to be able to do what the neighbor is doing. So now opportunity cost is not necessarily a negative thing. Like we look at the, the neighbor, if there was a neighborhood watch position, the opportunity cost for the neighborhood watch position would be low for the neighbor because he has a lot of, a lot of time on their hands. However, if, um, Farouk were to step into a neighborhood watch position, um, his opportunity cost would be too high. He would jeopardize everything else that he has um, going on. Um, but if you flip that and say that there was an executive MBA program that was going to be started at, I don't know, King College. They want to start an executive MBA program at King College. And you had two candidates, the nosy neighbor or my professor. Uh, the nosy neighbor would then have high opportunity costs with trying to get what uh, get that position um, because the person who has a low opportunity cost or my professor, um, he has a tremendous amount of information that the, that the nosy neighbor would have to work so hard to try to get. And so basically out of the two, you will see you want to always pursue on the life cycle of excavation any item on your list that has a low opportunity cost or a low barrier, if we want to put a barrier to entry, a, a low um, process for you to, 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 to implement. It would be very easy for you to implement. So now that you choose your one thing off of that list, um, you then want to go to step four, which is specialize in offering what's helpful to others, but unique to you. Now, when you specialize in what was helpful to others, this is where you start to create, create content for that item that you've now summarized. 
So you created content and this content will be um, different things that you will use in your future for as hooks or lead magnets, as you would in, in, in the online um, sphere. These are just some terms that get thrown out. But basically, what are you going to use to help draw someone's attention? Maybe you create um, an ebook from your material that just tells people of your journey of how you discovered um, that thing that you do well. Or maybe you can put together a tutorial about the problems that you've solved. Uh, I share with you an example of how I used to use a report card. And that report card, when I gave it to Ron and Keith, was able to be used by them as a tool that helped to accelerate progress in their in, in, in their sphere of influence. So you take your 5P framework, create a some material around it. Maybe you want to do podcasts. Maybe you want to you know write your first book, write your first ebook, whatever it is. It is something that you can use to start teaching. And in step four, this is also the, where the principle gets exposed of you mastering your microcosm. So this great idea that you have, serve people with it. And by you serving people, you will then start to see what is working versus what is not working. All right. This is where you would find your audience. Right. Not at step two. Step two is you find your environment where the audience is. But don't look at the audience in step two yet. Step four is where you find your audience. And how do you find your audience? Find the problem that people have that you helped to solve before when you were doing step one when you were bringing out all those examples of okay I'm passionate about this and, I've, and, and this has solved that problem before or whatever it may be you want to now start to identify those people where do they congregate You've solved the problem before with these groups of people. Go to them and start serving them again. Um, and and you know, online forums on Facebook or Instagram, whatever it is, typing in wherever it is, you know you can just find where they are and just start giving. Um, you know, seeing you know how they'll be asking questions that you already have a solution for. You can give them your lead magnet, give them your material, and then just um, have them test it out. When they finish testing it, ask them for a testimonial. So that's step four. Step number five is you want to neutralize the barriers that's blocking you from fulfilling your dreams. Now, neutralizing is not the same as eliminating. Um, you know, a story um, in, in scripture that talks about King David and uh, David and Goliath. Everybody knows David with the, sl- the young boy with the sling and Goliath who's towering over him. And eventually David slays Goliath. Well, here's the thing. Uh, the story that many people may not know is that David in the first um, Samuels, I believe, chapter that was 17, chapter 16, David was actually anointed to be king. So he had a dream and the dream was um, over his life. But he's now confronted with Goliath right before he does his thing with the sling. He's confronted with an individual who is stepping, who's standing or a situation, put it like that, a situation that's blocking him from his dream. And David, um, you know, through his faith, faith in God, he, he, um, he, uh, the, the outcome was what you know to be, he slays, he slays Goliath. So you get all that part, but here's the thing. The Philistines, who Goliath represented as the problem, still was there years later, even after David became king. So 10, 15, 20 years later, they're still fighting the Philistines. But at that moment in time, he neutralized the barrier that was blocking him, his dream from becoming king.
Um, and so in, in many aspects, you want to start to identify what are the barriers that I'm running into that's stopping me from taking this thing that I've already tested on step four that is working. What are the barriers that stop me from bringing that thing that I've used to master my microcosm to a wider audience? Identify it. Then identify the resources or the hurdles that can, uh, the, the resources that can help you get over these hurdles. Uh, remember I told you in my, my story a little bit earlier, my origin story, um, how I would read books. I would go to seminars. Um, I, I, I liken the, um, the barriers for some people, barriers may be excuses. Um, commercial break on this. Um, I found it so interesting in working in healthcare that many times when you do want to do process improvement, process improvement, people will come up with every reason in the world. When you say, oh, this needs to change, they'll come with every reason in the world as to why everything needs to stay exactly the same. So it was like, hey, we want to make sure that we get the you know patients through a lot faster and bring them down. And then immediately you're talking to a group of individuals, there's going to be at least one person in the group that's going to say, uh, you know, why that's not possible because they'll give you a great example of, you know, you know, the, the transporters, they're, they're, they're slow, you know, or, <laughs> you know, you don't understand, you know, this computer system. System. You know, anytime you put this in, it takes so much time. So they'll talk about the things, the times when they're busy, but they won't expose the fact the times when they're not. Right. And so not trying to get people like crazy busy. But the point is, is that, you know, that's something that we often I think there's a natural tendency when it comes down to change, even change for the better. People often times want to uh, keep things exactly the same. Why? Because it's cushy. Being comfortable, keeping the status quo is is great. For some people, they get comfortable. But I would also encourage you that these are the same people who complain about things being the way they are, but yet they don't want to move. And so you want to neutralize those things that are blocking you from fulfilling your dream. If you solved this problem before, you can solve it again. You just may need a tool in order to get things to the next level. And then that brings us to step six, organize, organize the delivery of your niche to a wider audience. Um, this is where I ask the question in the book. Um, what ignites you? You know, what, what, exa- what exactly is the thing that you have within you that ignites that flame, that passion, that thing that you brought out in step one? What exactly is the spark that's in your life? Right. Um, in Canada, there was a, uh, a kinesthesiology student. His name was Terry Fox. And the long and short of it is, is that Terry, Terry Fox um, was diagnosed with a rare bone cancer that caused his leg to be amputated. This is way back in the early 80s. And he had to go through about uh, a year and a half of, of rehab with his amputated leg. Prior to that, he was a very um, athletic student and um, he was then studying uh, kinesthesiology and basically um, he was going to go into some form of uh, physical therapy or, or things of that nature to um, help other people. Um, while he was rehabbing, he was in a hospital um, and he, it was a hospital for pediatrics and he saw a lot of kids who were suffering from cancer. And so what he opted to do was run a marathon with the amputated leg. He now had a, you know, prosthetic leg and he was, he would, he um, just trained uh, after rehab to, to run this marathon. That marathon was then called the marathon of hope. Um, Terry um, now is running mile after mile. And believe it or not, 
this kid with an amputated leg ran 23 miles a day <laughs> for several days. The guy did it for weeks until eventually his cancer came back and, and, and unfortunately it, he succumbed to the, the, the second bout of it. He wasn't, wasn't able to recover. He had gotten to his lungs and, um, and he died. But that spark of wanting to raise, um, a million dollars, uh, turned into, um, over $600 million at the time of which, um, I was doing a research of, of research that has, um, been raised in Terry Fox's name, the Marathon of Hope. You can Google that, the Marathon of Hope, Terry Fox. And, um, the reason I bring him up is what ignites you? That one little spark that is that goes off inside of you that makes you want to do what you do, that makes you want to solve that problem, that gets you frustrated, that says somebody got to do something about this. And you look around and nobody's there but you, nobody there but you that feels that way. Um, it could be, uh, even though you may not feel ready for your moment, those moments could be made for you. And so use that thing that you have in abundance help to solve that problem is God given you know it's it is inherent it is imp- it is imparted within you it's up to you to take what you have and to deliver it to a, wide, a wider audience and then lastly is step seven you want to maximize maximize your abundant factor um, Kobe Bryant is a great example of this uh, where he not only um, was uh, successful in playing basketball but eventually he wrote a, a screenplay um, uh, or some, a letter that he wrote to the NBA for retiring was turned into a screenplay. And um, I shared this on one of the examples um, when I was talking to, uh, you know, my brothers from Legacy and Leadership. <laughs> That's it. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy and and, and, um, and, and Devon, we uh, was chopping it up about this. And I shared that example of Kobe Bryant. You can go back and listen to that episode. Um, you can just uh, type in the names and, and when you search for it, um, Jimmy and Devon talking about legacy and leadership um but in but in this i just want to just share how kobe had uh he maximized what he had in abundant because even though he was wildly successful in being a basketball player he found that he still had more to give and that's the question that i will ask you when you get through the life cycle of excavation when you get to step seven You've been given, right? You've already been giving. You already recognized that it was uh, something you had in abundance. You optimized where it was used intensely. You summarized what exactly you're going to pursue. You specialized in that thing that you're going to pursue. You neutralized excuses that stopped you from pursuing. And you organized the delivery of that niche to a wider audience. Now that you get to maximize it, what do you do now? You go back to that list on step one and you take the very next thing that you had secondary on your list and you now start to go through the whole life cycle of excavation all over again it's that simple and this is how you have different iterations Steve Harvey did this he started out with being a comedian and then he was a comedian who hosted on a Showtime at the Apollo his next iteration was he went on to television uh, he had uh, several programs that came on television he then went on to hosting nationally syndicated programs and then he now has um, you know uh, also radio programs and author and he, so Steve Harvey represents someone who has gone through several iterations on the life cycle of excavation in my words not his but all I would encourage you to do is your first one. 
And I hope this, uh, this brief tutorial of how to discover your niche, uh, was helpful for you. And I, I thought that it would be meaningful. So we did change it up a little bit. Uh, the expert today is going to be you. <laughs> uh, but you know, if, uh, it's simple, you know, once you go through this cycle, this cycle, um, it's simple. Uh, the, the, the model that we have will then become real to you where we simply says, if innovative change is an engine, your dream and ability could be its fuel. Thank you for tuning in today and and stay tuned on dreamoctane.org. We are in the process of updating that site so that you can have uh, training around how to discover, develop, and deliver your niche. Oh man, it's gonna be so exciting. I, I got so much work that's going on right now. It's crazy. But I appreciate you tuning in and I look forward to uh, sharing even more examples either through forums like this where we get to talk to you directly or having experts talk to you the goal is to get you from where you are to where you want to be uh and to keep giving and to keep going and to keep growing so we look forward to having the very next episode and thank you for tuning in today be blessed